0: The Inside Vegas Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented to you by MyBookie.ag. Just in time for football season, MyBookie.ag is offering up to $1,000 in free bets using the promo code SGP100. Again, that's up to $1,000 in bonus bets for your first deposit. Enter the code SGP100. Play, win, and get paid at MyBookie.ag. We're also brought to you by PlayBalto, the number one office pool hosting site. And Play Balto is fully customizable, easy to manage, and most important free. If you're running a football pool this season, make your life easier and do it on Play Balto. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com and click the Play Balto link to sign up today. Welcome back into Inside Vegas. Very special show. Should be near and dear to just about any sports fan's heart out there. We are bringing on Ben Smith, CEO and founder of Midwest Box Breaks, and of course, Harvey. And we're talking about a market that has made a reintroduction to everyone from entrepreneurs, investors, sports bettors, you name it. And that is the trading card market. And it may seem like it's not a a thing anymore. Um, And I am here to tell you after talking with these two gentlemen, it absolutely is. People are making real money at this. And people are also getting back into collecting again. So we're going to break down basically the best ways to get back into this, uh, what a break is and what a break club is that Ben is running over at Midwest Box uh, Midwest Box Breaks. You can find him on YouTube at the same uh, account and handle. And kind of what you know this market could become and is and for anyone out there that is you know a Gary V fan, you've seen him kind of really talk about and get back into purchasing uh, playing cards, the infamous uh, Vegas Dave uh, forty thousand dollar Mike Trout card. Uh, it's it's a real thing again, and I think it makes sense to break down this market and kind of what to look for, what brands are out there, and what separates them in terms of value and kind of how you can make some money in this market uh, with you know getting you know having an opinion and a different way to diversify that opinion on a player, a team whatever the case may be. So great conversation. Hope you guys enjoy it. Again, this is Ben Smith of Midwest Box Breaks. And of course, Harvey, get him on Twitter at OnceHarvey. Joining me on Inside Vegas to talk about the reinvention, I guess, of the of a new market. And myself and uh, Harvey have been talking off air about how this is really a way to diversify your take into the market. And I've talked so much about the secondary market when it comes to betting, when it comes to prop swap and how you can really make money, You know, one, manipulating the market, and two, being first to market with your opinion. And with everything that we have seen lately, the football card, the baseball card, the sports card trading and buying market has made an enormous return. I know probably the, the most famous video out there right now when it comes to this market is the Gary Vaynerchuk one, kind of talking about that specific one. He's, you know, posting these things, talking about how he wants to buy and sell all of these different types of cards. So we're gonna look at this as to, you know, two people who are deep in it. We are welcoming on Ben Smith of Midwest Box Breaks search that in YouTube. It's an amazing channel. And we're bringing on once again, my friend Harvey to talk about how he, you know, what brought him back to the baseball, um, you know, or I guess I should say sports card market, man. So Harvey, I'm going to start with you, man. How is everything with you?
1: Good, Christian. Yeah, I I think it was the beginning of baseball season that we had our last one and just kind of a wild uh, season for me here. I've really uh, taken a step away for a while just because some um, uh, some personal business things that were going on. So I I didn't get to be on here as much as we were hoping for the baseball season. But now it's football kind of my forte coming back around. Uh been really excited, been trying to get back into um you know DFS, getting back into uh just the general Twitter game and it, and it's led me to uh the the card market for the past 6 weeks, 8 weeks. Um so I've learned a lot um and it's been a lot of fun, but I'm I'm super excited to be back on the podcast. I'm I'm really happy that Ben from Midwest Box Breaks is joining us because uh, I've really just learned a ton And had a lot of fun watching him for these past six weeks or so and interacting and being a part of uh, both his group and and watching his break. So I've learned a lot from him. Uh, I have taken a lot in these past two months uh, in the card community and uh, excited to talk about this, excited to talk about how how it all connects to um, what you do and what I do with with both fantasy and gambling.
0: Definitely, man. It's going to be an education for myself and hopefully a lot of people out there that are listening because it's, like I said, a market on the rise. And when there's an opportunity to make money or, uh, you know, awaken something that you, you know, once loved, I think it's a great opportunity. So I do want to welcome on Ben Smith of Midwest box breaks, Ben, man, man, how is everything with you? And kind of, I guess we'll start at the beginning for you and what kind of led you, um, into this passion of, you know, sports card trading and kind of everything that you are doing within the space.
2: Hey, so first off, thanks for having me. It's an awesome opportunity. I'm pretty excited about it. So thank you for that, uh, first thing first. Well, let's uh, see, where do I start? Um, about two years ago, I kind of got back in. I collected in the 80s and 90s. Uh, I'm in my 40s. And uh, just things kind of went full circle. You know, guys, get married, divorced, remarried, get a job, whatever. And you come back in and things have settled down. And um, I got re- re-exposed to the card market again. And, um, a lot of things appeal to me at once. Uh, I do play DFS. Uh, I've been out of the loop a little bit here recently because I've been so busy, but DFS, a little bit of a gambler. I'm also a sports fan, a card collector. So, um, I started getting back into cards and someone showed me breaks and I was instantly hooked. Uh, but at the same time, they're the sensible side of me, I guess. noticed that, um, there's an opportunity there where people are getting into breaks and um, not getting.
0: I don't want to cut you off, return. but for anyone that doesn't know, I want you to kind of explain what a break is.
2: Okay. First of all, I guess that's a good place to start. So basically I get a box or multiple boxes or cases, multiple cases, whatever of a uh, baseball, football, basketball, hockey. We've even done a wrestling. Uh, we've done some NASCAR, things like that. So I've got the product. You go to my website. It's midwestboxbreaks.com. It's a secure website. Takes PayPal and credit card. Run it as a legit business. There's a lot of Facebook groups and things like that that do friends and family and whatnot. But, you know, it's treated as a business. And we take it seriously. But you can go in and buy a spot. And there's two main ways to do it. There's a pick your team where you will actually click and hit the drop-down menu and pick what team you want if it's available. And there's a random team break. So for baseball, there's 30 teams. So you're buying one spot, and when we go live, before we rip cards, we'll use a randomizer, random.org, and you'll be assigned a, a random team. And there's a verification code you can punch in to see if it's legit or make sure there was nothing crazy going on. It'll show you round by round the results. But anyway, you get your team, and then if you don't like your team, if depending on who's in the group, who shows up on YouTube to chat, you can uh, trade your team. It's not guaranteed, but you still have that chance. So anyway, I've got two cameras. They're on the desk the whole time, kind of like a a card dealer at a casino. And I open up the cards live on camera. And every card, let's say you've got the Bears, every Bears card I pull will get shipped to you, Um, whether it's a $500 card, a a $1 card, a, a relic, which is a card that's got a piece of a jersey in it or a glove, or we've even had cards that have pieces of helmet in them um, or again, jerseys, bats, whatnot, pieces of football or an autograph or a combination of both or a uh, short print, uh, insert or, or a stamped card. It might say one of one or 20 of one ninety nine, or anything like that. And those cards have uh, various values on them versus, uh, you know, eBay comps and things like that, but that's it. And then I ship it to you and we ship it to people in Canada uh London, uh, all over the country and uh, it's a pretty cool thing and it, it's a good way to collect cards and for the investor person um it's kind of a, a neat thing to try and then you know there's a little bit of a, a gambling pinch to it too I guess.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're underselling it, honestly. Uh you know you uh, you're talking very much from the business perspective, but just from a viewer, um I can tell you you really brought me back into Cards Hard. And it's funny, uh, Christian, sorry I'll take over for a second, but um, so, yeah, I just I was on, you know, my general sports Twitter one day and I happened to cross a, a trout card that I really um, like. I, I love trout. Angels are my favorite baseball team. Um, so I, I uh, got it. And, you know, he's uh, not one that margins are probably really high on right now as far as um, buying and then flipping. Uh, sure. But this is just something I wanted for my personal. But the seller um, just just told me, you know, if you're ever interested in trying to get into cards more, you should check out. Uh, Midwest box breaks. So that night, um, after buying this card, I I did, and I saw it, and I've just kind of been uh, getting involved ever since. But there is absolutely a little bit of of a gambling perspective um, uh, by buying a team or buying a spot. But there's also just the thrill of seeing what's being pulled and and seeing what's out there. I I mean, so many of these cards I didn't even know, uh, you know, were in existence or being made, and you just get to see uh, so many different styles, so many different. Uh, relics, autographs, you get to go through so many different types of boxes Um, when you watch somebody like Ben and, and higher end too. So obviously, you can go to you know your local card store or Walmart or something and buy a twenty dollar box. But some of these boxes that Ben's going through are are three hundred dollars and, and more. Um, and you're seeing multiple of these boxes open. So you're really seeing some high end, really beautiful cards. And uh, there's a lot of joy just by watching others even win these cards. But definitely in participating,
2: definitely sure. And, and we. Tri- go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Well, oh, I was just gonna. I was going to say, uh, we try to appeal to everybody. And, and I've got a nice uh, mix of of customers slash friends and, and honestly, uh, members, we treat them, it's like a membership, it's a group. But I've got people that want to swing for the fence. And uh, we had a guy that spent $135 on a spot in, I think it was Topps Definitive. And he walked away with a $6,000 Mike Trout card. But at the same time, Um, We've got people that might buy a $20 spot because they're trying to put together the set of, you know, stadium club baseball or things like that. So we try to appeal to to both sides of that. There are a lot of we've got a lot of great true collectors. And then we've got some people that, you know, want to take that that shot at a lottery ticket. And you've got to find what you're comfortable with and and stay within your budget. But um, the big thing for me was to do it differently than all the other breakers. I wanted to focus a lot on that other side. What do I do with these cards after I get them if it's not something I want to keep? So obviously, you could play the eBay game, and we've all been there, and we know that the ups and downs of that. So I wanted to create a chat room, and we call it Break Club. It's in Discord. There's about 200 people in there now. And basically, it's a a trusted community where guys can trade their cards back and forth to get the stuff they want. And it also gives them a way outside of eBay to try to sell those cards um, through just straight sales or a RAS. I don't know if you guys are familiar with a rat, what a RAS is. No, what is it? But basically you take the value of a card. If you've got a hundred dollar card, you may say, okay, guys, I'm selling 10 spots at 10 bucks. And then we use the randomizer and usually the top guy gets the card. So he gets a card for a hundred bucks and, or 10 bucks and the seller of the card gets full price. So, um, we do some things like that. Um, but again, they can buy and sell and trade within that group, and, and it's a trusted group. We don't have scams or missed payments or, or anything like that. But that was the big thing for me getting back in is how can I help the guys that want to consistently buy cards every week? Because it is way easier to buy than it is to sell. So that's the, the thing I, I'm on. And I mentioned the random breaks before. So let's say you get randomized the Steelers, and you're not a Steelers fan. In fact, you hate them, and you're uh, an Eagles fan. So through our room, you trade your Steelers end up with either money in your hands or Eagles. And, um, it keeps that, keeps that circle going it keeps you within your budget and you still get that juice of chasing your cards and and try to collect what you want.
0: I love that, man. There's so much to dig into here. Um, Let's start with this. Let's talk about, you know, value. For me growing up as a kid when I was, uh, you know, so big into baseball cards, um, I just looked it up on Google right now. Uh, you know, Beckett or Beckett was always kind of the key, whether you went, you know, got the magazine and tried to find your card on there. I was looking up because this was my favorite one. And the, wh- why I say this is because I loved, as you call them, the relics, like the piece of the jerseys, piece of the bases, piece of the bats. And this was the only one that had like a guaranteed piece of um, a bat every time. And it was, I'm going to read it off, upper deck game used um, at bat. Uh, Piece of the game. I had like, I had a Tom Glavin one, I had a couple A Rod ones, and it was, it was like the best part of my day to to go out there and see this little, what looks like a little popsicle stick in there. Um, But I want to talk about value, man. And you touched touched on eBay. Um, As I was pulling this up, as you guys were talking, and I just typed in, you know, the highest price Mike Trout baseball card, we're looking at uh, $500,000 for a Bowman (laughs) Chrome Mike Trout blue uh, refractor auto rookie signed gem mint 10. I want to ask you. man. What makes a, what makes a difference from going into a card shop, getting a $10 box of cards versus going out there and spending, you know, whatever, uh, you know, the elite of that is and kind of how value is actually determined when it it comes into the card, um, you know, card trading and betting community. And I'll throw this one over to Ben.
2: Okay. So it starts with, I guess the scarcity of the card. And in most cases, there is a published checklist where you kind of have an idea of what your odds are on getting a, a specific card. So you can take that chance, and obviously you buy packs, and you've got a chance. I mentioned a lottery ticket before; it does feel like that sometimes. But uh, you can catch a card that way, and and honestly, it's like anything—a card's worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. And I've seen the exact same card sell for fifty dollars more or less the week before or after as a previous sale. And just keep in mind, on the eBay comps, um, you want to look at the completed listing, so anybody can price a card at anything with the uh with the notation that they're accepting offers but you really want to look at those completed listings to give you an idea of on what recent sales are um if that helps you at all
0: no for sure Harvey, i want to toss this over back to you because you said at the beginning just so much has kind of changed since you kind of left the card game and since coming back into it what are some of the biggest differences you've noticed in the time away from it
1: Oh, gosh! Yeah, I mean, the first thing, and this is gonna really age from age me from letting you know when i when I stopped collecting and when I restarted. But uh, relics weren't even a thing when I was uh, when I was still collecting back in the day. So that's when I came across a relic that first night on twitter i was just blown away and then i i talked to some of my you know younger friends or some of my friends that had still been collecting and they're like yeah of course they've they've been around for a while so uh it was funny just knowing uh how different i thought cards were being made i was so used to uh you know the wax cards uh, the uh, multi multi-produced cards so uh, it was fun getting back uh recently you know ben ben was talking about just some of these breaks and some of the new cards but um recently in one of his breaks we just opened some of the new elements the nfl elements and those cards are metal which was something kind of new to me too um but to speak to something that he was talking about as well that ben was talking about as well and just the value that you could potentially get just to get into this um which i, I think uh those boxes run probably 150 or more and you you get four cards in them uh um, So it's definitely a, a gamble if you're taking just a single team. Um, but I did. And we I think we were opening six boxes that day as part of his break. And I just bought the Texans for fifteen dollars. Nothing big at all. Just fifteen dollars just to enjoy and be part of it. Um, and I ended up pulling a, a of five. So only five made JJ Watt. Uh, metal and it has gold on the front, um, autograph on the card. That card um, hasn't even seen the market net yet because these uh, boxes are brand new. But I mean, it's probably going to be at least a three hundred dollar card. So great turnaround um, and something that I never even knew what was a thing. Again, with these with metal cards like solid metal, very nice cards. Um, I, of course, I have like a Jordan from the early nineties that has the um, oh the plated twenty four karat. Gold, but uh, just so different from that card to what is out there now, um, and the potential values too. Uh, it's a lot of fun to to see this too. And but like Ben was saying too, the market is definitely set by the buyer's response, um, and I I think that's something that I want to talk about later too, especially with this NFL season coming up.
0: When you talk about that, man, we were talking kind of off air about how it's really a way to you know kind of be first to a different market with your opinion on guys that you want to invest in, whether, you know, you've seen various people out there talking about how they bought, you know, 10 of these perfect Mike Trout rookies, the Aaron Judge rookies, uh, Ronald Acuna comes to mind. Um, Is that something that, you know, either of you, um, I'll start with you, Harvey, have kind of really come into uh, play with when it comes to, you know, you want to be investing at an early, you know, while the price is down on these up and coming kind of phenom rookies, or is it, you know, do you gravitate more towards the established stars and, and kind of hunting for those?
1: Uh, a bolt so i'm still learning how to turn everything into a, an exact science business as you mentioned gary v earlier and just his podcast they were saying you know if you had a thousand dollars this is one of the things that they said in in that uh really popular podcast right now who would you invest in uh, right now what card would you buy and they all had different opinions um i liked them a lot i understand uh so if I'm talking about from not what I want personally, but flipping, um, yes, I, I've been uh, looking at teams and rookies and and we can kind of talk to this now, but I'll throw it back to you a little bit. You know, I wish that I, we talk a lot, Christian and I do, and we speak before seasons, especially and I wish I would have taken your uh, Peter Alonso take a little bit heavier even, um, or, or sorry, I wish I would have been into the card market at that time because even just a few months ago before the home run Derby, uh, before the all-star break weekend, his cards were going at a fairly reasonable price. Um, after that, they just skyrocketed. And uh, Ben may be able to speak to this a little bit more. I'm sure he's seen in the group how much people are probably trying to collect Pete, even more now. Um, but it ha- I've seen on Twitter and I've seen on eBay uh, just these even basic cards or insert cards of him without autographs, without relics, uh, going for a decent clip. Uh, But the autograph cards, the specialty number cards, um, especially the lower number produced cards are just going for a significant, significant amount. And I have to imagine that you would be getting 50 uh, to one, if not more on your initial investment. So, you know, being able to take a card that you could have probably bought for uh, a quarter to a dollar before, and and even now just making, you know, 50 bucks on it, but the cards that you were buying for $5 before, um, I definitely see some of those going into the hundreds of dollars. Uh, So if you have a strong stance on a player like you did with Pete Alonso this year, uh, that's where I think there's a lot of potential value getting in early.
0: Definitely, I want to flip this uh, back over to you, Ben. You know, you've been in this you know game for uh, you know a lot longer than myself and even Harvey. Certainly, is there any you know type of because when we talk about rarity, to me, the kind of simple um, retort I guess could be you know despite you know is rarity everything because even if it's a low quality card, but they have a, you know a set of two thousand, they only make two. Does that card inherently become you know more valuable, or is there any more specific types of whether it be players, um, you know, autographs was always the big thing when I was you know kind of growing up. And coming up, or is there any specific type of card, um, you know, whether it be the relics or anything else that you kind of gravitate towards? And when we talk about more of the buying and flipping side of stuff?
2: Well, honestly, um, because of my age and where I'm at in the hobby, and keep in mind, too, I see thousands of cards every week. So it's tough for a newer card to really jump out at me, unless it's, you know, like the trout we mentioned, and I'm a big Yankee fan, too. Um, I kind of gravitate to older vintage stuff. Um, I feel like there's an opportunity there as, um, newer, recent product kind of dries up, gets more scarce, guys are working backwards, guys my age are getting back in the whole Gary V factor. I think a lot of people are going after great advantage stuff now more than they were before. But, um, you know what, honestly, a lot of it depends on the player and you guys, it sounds like you're doing it right. You get ahead of the game. So you know, it's the off season, you know, for basketball, what's going on with basketball, who's going to be in a good spot next year. You know, this year it was spring training. Who, who looked good in spring training? Was it Alonzo, you know, the Wander Franco's and Vlad jr. And, and all of that stuff. So you want to be ahead of that move. There's still an opportunity to get in while they're playing. I remember judge popped after the home run derby a couple years ago, and then it was Otani. And, and there's some risk in there too, guys, because you know they could get hurt. They don't pan out, um, but there there's a storyline factor there. You know, have they gone deep into the playoffs? Did they get national exposure? They're uh, all things to think about. And I think we'll see more DFS people come in too, because I think I think there's a uh, the framework there to set them up for success. And and from what I've seen, the guys that are really successful, and uh, I'm really working to bring in more DFS guys too, because I think there's an appeal to them. Um, Gary talks about the sneakerheads. For me, it's DFS guys because they can spot trends. They can uh, establish value. And, you know, how many times do you see, you know, what are the value plays? Who's set up in a good position to be successful? You know, do I want to buy rookies of a running back that's going to split time all season? Those are all things they look at, too. At least, you know, the last time I played DFS, they did. But, again, spotting trends, being ahead of the curve, and, uh, and being able to I guess, identify talent that's put in a decent situation. And, you know, you could be an amazing first baseman if you're in the National League and there's, you know, two good guys ahead of you and they don't have a spot for you. You know, how soon are you going to get time? How soon are you going to get exposure? What's your market? What city are you playing in? Again, you know, are you in a playoff push? Things like that. It, to me, it's the storyline of the players, I guess, bottom line.
1: Yeah, I agree. So and and something you're talking about there, Ben, just how DFS crosses over and definitely what Christian does, too. And, you know, Christian, uh, last year, a lot of your focus, and I think rightly so and greatly so in NFL was with player props and uh, what that's where the true value is. And that, to me, is just an exact crossover into uh, this card market and something that I'm hoping to to try here, too. And I already see it some. Um, but in in baseball, just kind of lightly watching. But, uh, you know, the the home run derby happens or a rush happens um, where a players playing really well for a week or two and their card goes up, even if it's only slight value, it's still plus EV. Um, so if you can take those advantages uh, and I think what. I plan on doing is, is looking and and I already have, I've looked more at the schedule, uh, the early schedule in the season more than I ever have before. Um, just in preparing, uh, to look at where the stances are that I'm going to take. And, you know, everyone right now in the card market, um, that is in NFL is probably looking at the Browns somewhat just because there's so much hype behind that team. So I'm not letting in, uh, any secrets there. And I know implicitly that, Oh, that quarterback cards are the high are, are the highest price points, the best sellers for NFL quarterbacks go better than any other cards from what I'm seeing. Uh, but what I've been trying to take a stance on is how can I kind of turn um, my love for the Browns, my knowledge that they have, you know, a bottom five schedule this year um, that if they could potentially sneak into the playoffs, how much uh, value those cards would go up. Uh, but maybe a a little different take. So that's what I've been doing is kind of looking at the players uh, that maybe aren't getting as much hype. Um, And, and, you know, just to let in on a little secret here, but, um, you know, Chubb has a, a basically a 10 week window to really lock himself down as the featured back um, and a pretty good schedule to do so. So while everyone's kind of buying Baker, which uh, are a little bit more expensive, you know, try, hoping to get Odell's uh, now that he's over with the Browns um, I've taken a pretty big stance on, on Chubb. Um, and I think that he's a star anyway, and I think he's going to do really well on this offense. So while I can get a couple cards now for 10 or $15, I'm hoping that that value shoots up um, to three times that in two months.
0: I love it, man. Sure. I'm going to throw this back over to you, Ben. I want to ask you this question. I know we are kind of talking off air about how we wanted to kind of, you know, not tell people what to buy by any you know, stretch of the imagination, but I think it's an important kind of discussion to have when we talk about this. Again, as I'm doing the most rudimentary kind of Google search of what you were just talking about with Mayfield, you know, as I, you know, look and compare these prices. So, you know, in theory, a you know Baker Mayfield rookie autograph card should be about the same prices. And again, I know a lot of these are from eBay, but some of these are kind of retail shops and stuff like that. What makes a, you know, Mayfield rookie. Autograph, go for you know, let's say 1149 at one, uh, you know, one specific card versus uh 1800 at a different specific card, 1200 at a different uh 3500 at a you know different type of card. What kind of you know about these different types is it just the rarity of them and you know, kind of what kind of sets or, or you know, what makes the card more valuable, even though in in you know theory it's the same thing, it's a Baker Mayfield rookie autograph.
2: Sure, uh, the grading is a huge, huge thing now, and that's um, one thing that's changed since I've gotten back in. People were were grading cards uh, when I got out or stopped collecting, but not that much, and it's nothing. It was nothing to the point that it is now. But the grade, there is a huge difference between on prices between a ten and a nine, or even a nine point five and an eight point five. So that if it's a graded card, that's important too. Um, a lot of the football guys, is it a true RPA? Does it have the rookie logo on it? Um, is it a patch Is it an autograph? What's it numbered to what product is it out of? Is it out of a higher end product like flawless or immaculate? Or is it, you know, something cheaper like Donruss or, or something leaf products also. Um, but again, I think the grading is, is the biggest influence. And as far as the investment piece, you know, whatever you end up spending 30, 40, fifty dollars to to send in cards to to grade what is the return on that because um i had a card go come back i pulled it out of a pack and it came back a pristine black label uh, perfect 10 and it went for a couple thousand dollars to one of my bread customers so the, the grading is probably the biggest factor i'd say there.
0: When it comes to awesome. the different types of um, kind of providers out there, like we were talking about, um, Panini, Tops has always been one that I came up with. Um, again, not trying to tell people what is the higher end thing, but I think it's important for somebody, um, you know, even myself that, or, you know, anyone listening to know what is, you know, why is the difference? Uh, you know, should I blindly go in there and just buy the, uh, you know, most expensive card pos- or box possible because it has a certain logo on it? Is there some that are, you know, kind of the quote unquote value cards um, in the market, or is it really just kind of, you know, you have to get into it and know kind of what you know specific brands of cards are going for or kind of how is that distinction made when it comes to specific brands of cards that are being made by these different companies
2: well a lot of it is the quality of the card uh, the thickness the type of paper the photography what they've put in it um, and the patches are nicer in the cheaper product you'll see what's called a napkin where basically it's just a one colored swatch um, that could be quote player worn, which, you know, a lot of times they wear it at the signing event and then they cut it up versus, you know, an actual piece from a, a game that was used in a game. Um, but I guess there, you could buy cheaper and if the card came back graded well, it could be just as valuable as a higher end product that wasn't graded. Uh, again, it depends on, on your budget and um, the popularity of the product, too. Um, Tops Chrome is a popular product, Bowman Chrome. Anything that's their true first rookie um, holds a premium. And then, you know, for football, uh, it's pretty much all Panini, so it's tough to, to really separate it there. But, again, there are different scales on the quality of the product. So um, definitely something from Immaculate is going to be worth more than something from, you know, Donruss or score, I guess.
0: Harvey, I want to ask you kind of the same question as you've been coming up through this, any kind, you know, see, that would be the biggest kind of problem to me is, you know, kind of how would I, you know, do I just blindly go in there and just buy the most expensive box and, and go about it that way? Or is somebody who kind of is, it would, you know, not too long ago in kind of, you know, had those same questions that I do, any kind of specific brands that you specifically have gravitated, you know, towards whether it be you like the card or from the kind of business investing side of stuff as well?
1: yeah i'm still i'm still learning uh but i've definitely looked and tried to gravitate towards what's in the box so um making sure that they are marking autos um are available uh and i try to get boxes you know that have multiple autos um at least in preparation for for the show and uh for dfs that i'm I'm planning on doing uh just because those are more exciting to me um Oh, but, you know, from a general standpoint, if from a listener that's thinking about getting into this and investing, um, I think that what Ben was talking to and what you've talked about, too, is it's probably best to start off with breaks honestly in my opinion instead of going to your local card store and buying like a 150 dollar box or something like that where you're going to get cards from random teams from people that you don't um oh maybe care for or like and yeah you could try to sell those but there's some pain in that too but i think joining a break where you um Uh, Where you can pick your team, where you can pick uh, your division, where you can look at exactly what you're getting. Yeah, you may not get the best card uh, that time or the player that you're hoping for, but you're not necessarily guaranteed that in a box that you get either. So if you're looking um, to just kind of get back in to test different cards out, I would say instead of jumping into a local card store do a break first. Cause you're going to get like I did when I first jumped back in, you're going to get exposure to a lot of different cards. You're going to be able to see what you like best, um, and, and go from there. Uh, and, and I'll just say, uh, you know, going back to the metal card that I mentioned before, there are individuals out there that don't like the metal cards that don't like how they kind of grayed out. Don't like how they, um, Oh, just the overall finish to them. Um, but it's something that I think is really cool looking. So like, I love it. I would I would uh, totally buy a box of those elements again um, and, and try to get a card like that. But there are individuals that just don't. And if you were to walk into a card shop That's one of the more expensive boxes Uh, you were to see it get home and be disappointed that there's only four cards and that they're all metal. Um, I completely see where that would keep somebody out. So I I think watching these breaks or participating in breaks um, is something that will just teach you so much uh, about the hobby, about card collecting before and without having to spend a lot of money on the front end.
0: I love that take, man. I want to ask you because you brought up Pete Alonzo. Um, From a rudimentary standpoint, man, I want to ask, you know, kind of both of you this question, you know, is the process and what people's theory should basically be as simple as you guys have kind of, you know, laid out there? If you feel a player, you know, coming up as a rookie, as a prospect, specifically, I guess, in baseball, but, you know, the draft, too, um, when it comes to NFL, you know, should you just go out there and try to find the biggest, you know. The best you know quote unquote best or, or most valuable rookie card when the price is at the lowest and pretty much aside from you know as long as that player delivers and again as i'm looking at these pete Alonso cards and i'm sure ben can probably speak to this more uh from what the market was preseason. but as i look at this there's a um bowman chrome pete alonzo first autographed rookie here uh graded nine out of ten for 1500 there's another one on here yet for seventy dollars uh 130 um, and, and basically any type of price that you want on here and you'd have to, you know, I'm sure you could tell me more as to which one is actually worth that type of value, but is the you know, process as simply, you know, for a guy like me, the second half of baseball betting has, you know, Notoriously been my best stretch because I absolutely love prospects and I love you know how differently I can grade them versus bookmakers when they come up. Zach Gallen, um, Yamamoto, uh, you know the list goes on and on. Ponce De Leon, Alex Reyes, you name them. Uh, you know Casey Mize coming uh, coming up. Gore, uh, whoever the pitcher is, you know is that something that is really that simple where you just want to buy as many you know pristine rookie autographs of these type of players coming up before the market kind of booms like you talked about with Alonso? Or is it really there's a lot lot more that goes into it when you talk about the type of card that you're going to be pulling.
1: I'll speak to that first. I think it's what you're wanting to do with it. Um, so I think if you're hoping to, uh, turn a profit, turn this into a business, then yeah, I think you take stances on both teams, um, and players. I think the baseball market makes a lot more sense to take a stance on a, on a player than it does a team. Uh, but I think something like football and even basketball, it's a lot easier to take stances on teams than it is players. Um, but I I do think that you go and collect, and I don't think that you have to be this is my own personal take um but i don't think that you have to be uh too pigeonholed into the type of card because like ben was talking about earlier there's collectors everywhere i'm i'm one of them that have just different price points on what they're willing to spend for their own personal collection um so even if your your margins are slightly lower um, if you do take a good stance on a player, though, even those low end cards are going to show uh, more value. And it's nice just to have a lot of something um, when you're uh, when when you've taken a stance and it's hit then then just to have a few of them. That's my own personal opinion. Um, Oh, so yeah, that's, that's where I would go. If you have a strong take on somebody, if you've done a lot of research, like somebody like you does, um, or somebody that you trust and you want to take a stance, um, go, go for it and get all different types.
2: That same Um, question over to you. Yeah. So what I'll say is, and this kind of speaks to the, (laughs) to the DFS player too. Um, don't be afraid to make a, a contrarian type play and go against the grain and something that's got low ownership. You'll see, um, uh, Ivan from uh, uh, Go GoGTS, uh, watch the breaks is his Twitter handle. Um, he's pretty good about that too, about trying to identify players that nobody's looking at. And if you think about football, Kurt Warner, Tom Brady, uh, guys like that, where just the underdog. And again, that contrarian play while everybody else this year was chasing, you know, Wander Franco, Vlad Jr., uh, there's still other guys that, um, you know, still have a chance and the late call-ups and and things like that. There are other guys out there and you can, you can swing for the fence on the bigger prospects, but you could also, and this is just from the investing standpoint, uh, set back a little bit to just kind of go on a flyer, go for somebody else that, you know, is local, that you see them play. You like what they're about. You see them work hard. Um, If you've got people out there in the industry or in the sport that, say, Hey, I really like this kid. And you trust their take, um, you know, look for some of those guys too, because they are out there and, you know, not everybody that is a hyped top 10 pick ends up panning out at the same time. You know, how many guys in every sport have you seen kind of come out of nowhere that nobody was looking at that, that blow up too. So there's, there's something to be said for that as well. Oh yeah.
1: I think, I think, we're going to see that pretty heavily this year in basketball and NBA. I mean, everyone's going to be hoping for Zion Zion. Uh, but there's going to be, uh, I, I mean, this class is pretty deep. They've got a lot of, uh, a lot of good players that could turn into stars. So if you have a take on one, especially, you know, a, a 15 or under type pick a non lottery type pick, um, you're going to be able to get their cards a lot cheaper, their rookie cards, a lot cheaper than somebody like Zion. Uh, so if you do have a take, uh, believe in a team, uh, believe in a player, I I would be going there. Absolutely.
0: Outside of the pure joy aspect of, of opening cards, man, it sounds like kind of the gold standard right now is when it comes to making money is specifically rookie autographs. Is that kind of the theme that both of you have noticed over, you know, Harvey, since you got back and Ben kind of through your years? Seems like it. I'll tell you what
1: too. Uh, Ben's been on a roll recently of uh, being a magnet, helping his group out. I don't know how he's done it, but I think he's pulled about uh, eight thousand Vladimir Guerrero Jr. autograph cards recently, even some uh, really low numbered ones. So his his break club has been uh, oh, seeing some great joys. But yeah, I, I think uh, rookie autos seem to be where people go just because they're new cards and and they're players that are fresh on everyone's mind.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that, too. And I get a lot of people that collect specific teams, and then a smaller portion are the ones that will buy the team that's available if they have a chance to, to hit a home run, so to speak, with a big card. Um, and honestly, I get a lot of joy out of pulling those big cards, but I've pulled some cheaper stuff that specifically had value to the collector versus what they could turn around and sell it for. And I really get excited about that piece, too, because after all, I, I am here for these guys trying to build collections. But at the same time, it's nice to to watch somebody come up, especially that's, you know, a loyal fan of a team and, and buys their spots religiously and maybe strikes out more times than they hit, um, pull something big. And, you know, especially the smaller market stuff where that player's got appeal to them that maybe isn't on a national scale, if that makes sense. But yeah, it's a great feeling pulling something like that, especially for somebody that, you know, has bought into a couple breaks and, and didn't do great that finally, you know, hits a monster, I guess. Definitely,
0: man. I want to, uh, I have two more questions for you. Basically, as you were talking about that, um, you know, if somebody was like me and, and they heard this podcast and wanted to go look around and see what was out there. And again, I'm just using Peter Alonso as the example out here. Um, I'm going to pitch a couple of different prices at you for basically what to me would seem like the same card. And I want to ask you kind of about price disparity value and value and kind of how you go about that. I'm just going to, again, if, if you don't know the specific card, uh, just kind of, you know, why to, why the same exact card would be kind of priced a little bit differently. Uh, Alonzo Gem Mint 10 2016 Bowman Chrome Draft uh, signed is uh, $874 on eBay right now. But if you go over to, um, this was an actual shop, sorry, I should add this one up. It was a card shop. The same exact um, card was posted for a uh, graded nine and a half out of 10 for 909. So basically what, 25, uh, like 35 more dollars. What is the kind of differences when you see in price? Or is that just a little bit of you know the amount, just kind of the buy and sell market and supply and demand type of stuff?
2: Uh, the, grading, the grading is huge. That, that's a big part of it. And also too, again, people should also look at the completed sales on eBay because that's where uh, that's where the number is anybody can list any price on there and if they've got the option to, to accept an offer it, it really the indicator is is the completed sales but it kind of depends on where somebody's at if if they see 10 cards the same card posted for $700 and they'd really like to get some money and get out you know maybe they list theirs for 600 but I, again the small differences in the grading are huge too and can factor, you know, a lot of, a lot of money. I love
0: that take, man. Next, I want to talk about scale. Uh, as I pull through this and as I've been looking through social media when it talks about cards for um, you know this this kind of market is kind of the last question I have for you guys before I give the floor over to you for anything that I was not smart enough to, to ask you guys. I mean, I'm just going to kind of come out and say it here. This is a post from uh, another, I guess, quote unquote, famous, uh, despite what people think of them, uh, a card collector in Vegas, Dave, and basically on his YouTube TV saying, today's episode, I purchased a $400,000 baseball card, most expensive card in in the modern market, Mike Trout Super Fractor for 400,000. Um, I want to talk about scale, man. I mean, is this kind of, you know, again, Mike Trout once in a lifetime player, I I completely understand that. Um, you know, is that the, you know, when you're buying at the height of the market, I think that there's always inherently going to be risk, but kind of when you talk about these cards being, you know, 400,000 sold is, is absolutely, you know, kind of crazy to me. Um, you know, kind of what is the scale that you kind of guys see this at, and kind of whatever that case may be is, uh, whether you're looking, you know, what you guys are actually looking for, you know, have you ever, you know, kind of pulled the trout rookie card and thought oh my god or or, you know anything like that you know only to go and look up and see that it's worth you know two thousand instead of the huge payday or kind of you know how that scale dictates kind of your reactions and and really bottom line money go ahead harb yeah
1: i will say (laughs) i think that if you're ever spending that kind of money it's got to just be for personal uh collection it that that's a uh, that's going to be a hard thing to turn any kind of uh, good return on on your investment at, at something larger scale. Even up to the couple thousands, I think is just going to be uh, difficult to. Unless you're buying multiple cars, it's going to be difficult to turn a large profit. Uh, just because um ultimately this this market's always going to swing but the prices are going to be set by the individuals uh that are willing to pay them so the individuals that are actually willing and wanting these for their own personal collections at some point uh a card will probably what will, will will be not circulated anymore because it's in somebody's personal collection they want it it's in you know their house either in a safe or or being shown or something of that nature um so it's all about who is uh, willing to pay that amount and go up to that hopefully if he actually did spend that kind of money um i I know he likes to bolster but uh that's just going to be for his own personal gain if he thinks that that card uh individually is going to flip for much more I, i would be hard pressed to believe that um oh but yeah from from my standpoint, even with this card, for instance, I was speaking about earlier, what the, the JJ Watt card. So none of the other five uh, have have made it to the marketplace yet. So really, if I go to a market, um, I'm kind of setting the price, but also the buyer is setting the price. It was super exciting to see Ben break that on his, um, oh, on his channel and, and be able to watch that and be a part of it um, Oh, and exciting to get that card. And I do see this as kind of an investment um, uh, since, you know, Houston's not my team. If, if he were if this were a luck card, for instance, uh, even if it were a two thousand dollar card, it would probably just go into my personal collection right now because uh, that's a team and a player that I, I love quite a bit. Uh, so I, I think when you're looking at potentially buying uh, cards and hoping to flip. Um, I think that there's a saturation standpoint at that top end because I I don't think that there's a ton of buyers out there for individual players um, that are always going to be willing, at least at a quick time turnaround, to spend a lot of money on a card or a player. So I think uh, you know the higher end that you get, the more careful that you have to be if you're looking at it from a pure uh, money making standpoint. If you're looking at it from a from a happiness adding to your own collection standpoint, then you know go wherever your heart
0: desires anything to add to that ben
2: yeah uh vegas dave i he is what he is um (laughs) i don't know him (laughs) Just using
0: that as an example out there of kind of what people yeah totally
2: sure to me that's an outlier and i'm more about representing the average collector so that doesn't really do a whole lot for me i I mean i think he might have actually flipped that card already and yeah you make a profit it's it's tough it's tough on that but you know for me i guess i'm I'm more about the average collector and as far as the market and and whatever again people are going to pay what what they want to pay for a card um yeah so again something like that four hundred thousand dollars yeah and people can spend the money however they want again I, i would probably be reluctant to yeah, that's definitely outside of my wheelhouse, I guess. Did he make a profit? Do you know? If It comes with a date. What's that? Did he make
0: a profit when he flipped it? Do you know?
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure he he actually made money on it because he called everybody out for saying he was stupid. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. God bless. Yeah, those... Uh,
1: yeah, 42-0 40, streaks. That's where it gets you.
2: Yeah. All right, we're going to go off yeah, the I rails guess here. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'd be more pumped about a guy that spent you know, $100 for a spot and you got a $500 card, uh, things like that. I guess that makes sense.
0: The one thing, I mean, again, it sounds like we're kind of rookie autograph hunting here majority when it comes to making money. When you do pull those regular, you know, everyday players, you know, the go through down through, you know, whatever lineup and, you know, is the, those cards kind of the, you know, largely discounted or, you know, discarded versions of what you, you guys are kind of doing and looking for and something, you know, not even keep, but, you know, maybe keeping a bag or, you know, keeping a, a card sleeve somewhere and just kind of, uh, you know, hope someday that they just pop and you just kind of write it off as a loss. And it's kind of the, the all or nothing from the, you know, hit a home run money-making standpoint.
2: See, uh, uh- I feel like every card has a value and has a value to somebody. The big thing about our collecting group is somebody wants those cards, whether they're putting sets together, they like that specific player because he went to the same college they went to. Um, They've got a personal, you know, connection with, with those. But um, from what I've seen in my group and what I try to focus on in our break club and discord is that somebody wants those cards. So if a guy spends, 30 bucks gets a random team he pops a 50 dollar card but he's also got you know some stuff he doesn't want that has value in that he can trade it to people that do want it and he can get some return on it um but yeah there is i don't throw i i can't remember if i've ever thrown a card away unless i damage it somehow which hasn't happened since i've started doing breaks but um even the base stuff we give it to kids kids go nuts for it um those are the, the base common cards and then um again we we stash them back and if i get a new guy two months from now and he doesn't get any cards in his break we send him stuff out of that stash so to me it has value to the guys in my group it has value but yeah to the the investor types it's it's a nuisance it's a it's trash i could see that
0: Last question I want to ask you before I get you guys out of here. I know we're running a little bit long. Uh, you were talking about kind of the the wrestling aspect you did in. For me, you know, I'm a WWE guy over there, Harvey. You know, the niche market stuff. Is there any market? Um, I guess this would be more towards Ben Alley of you know, let's say WWE, um, WNBA, whatever the niche market sports. Um, I know you're into esports over there. I don't even know if they do cards, but any of the niche stuff when it comes to a market is really emerging to you.
2: Go ahead, Harvey.
1: Yeah, so uh more than I thought it was. Uh so I didn't realize this until a couple weeks ago too, but um you know, I'm a big tennis fan, so I started looking back and there's not a ton that are made, but um some of those cards are definitely very expensive. I've been seeing and I've been talking to my buddy Casey a lot too, uh who's a big card collector, but and he he'll he'll buy some of the high end ones. He's uh big into WWE, um and UFC, and seeing some of these UFC cards just really interesting. Uh, there's definitely a market and a lot of these cards go for really high too. Ben, you may be able to speak to this, but I've not really seen them graded as much. Um, but I definitely see them collected and traded around.
2: Sure. There's a there's a market for anything and everything. Um we've got a pretty solid hockey following growing. And you know, I'm a baseball football guy, but I've seen the hockey grow. We've seen some interest in soccer, NASCAR, wrestling. And I'll be honest, I'm it's around here somewhere that pile of my cards I buy and then never see again. But um, I picked up a Beatles graded card from the sixties. <laughs> um, I'm kind of an Elvis fan. My old man was too. I've got a graded Elvis card from '56. Um, I've seen. I've actually got a boxing card from 1938, Max Schmeling. Um, if you look on eBay, there's uh, you know some older Babe Ruth cards from a Butter Company, things like that, and people are getting them graded. Um, cards out of the cereal maybe a stretch a little bit, but um, there's a lot of crazy stuff out there that people are grading that's it's coming back with value. Um, I can see the non-sports market uh, blowing up. Um, I thought Fortnite would be a little bit more popular than it's been, but uh, Pokemon, perfect example. Um, Oh, yeah. All kinds of high-end Pokemon and Magic. um, My friend's got a Black Lotus. I don't know Magic, but uh, he bought that pretty cheap and um, made quite a few thousand dollars on it. So, um, yep. You just, you've got to know what you're getting into. If you just go out and blindly start buying stuff, I think you'll be disappointed. But if you do a little bit of homework and get into what you know, what you're familiar with, uh, definitely opportunities everywhere, I think.
1: Yeah, I think, I think the, uh, a complete first set of Pokemon cards was just sold yesterday or earlier this week for, uh, over a hundred thousand. Don't even
0: tell me, man, I I sold those in a yard sale about 10 years ago with everything you could ever (laughs) imagine. Don't even tell me that. It's like beanie babies. Yep. Pretty
1: wild. Oh, uh, I God. think niche markets are are really important. Um, I don't know how much I'll get in. I think esports will eventually jump into that market, too. Uh, but, you know, as far as UFC, I know, Christian, you're a big UFC guy. Uh, those cards have some value, and there are definitely a lot of collectors behind them.
0: I love it, guys. I want to give another shout out to this YouTube channel because I was playing it kind of over on mute here. And like you said, man, this is like virtual blackjack at a casino. I'm sure the degenerates will absolutely flock to you and love it again on YouTube. Midwest box breaks. Absolutely amazing content over there. I want to give you guys both the floor. Harvey, I know you have a new Twitch channel that you're launching, which is kind of bringing together DFS, gambling and the uh, sports betting or sports cards market, I should say. So I want to give you both the floor to kind of plug everything you have going on and where people can kind of get at you and find you guys. I'll start with you, Ben.
2: Okay, so obviously, uh, MidwestBoxBreaks.com. I'm on Facebook. It's uh, at Midwest Box Breaks. Twitter is just at Midwest Box Break. There's no S on the end. I'm on Instagram. We've started uh, streaming on multiple channels. So I'm on Twitch. Uh, You can search for me on Twitch. I'd love to get a strong Twitch following. It's weak right now. I think we're averaging three or four people. Um, Then, of course, YouTube. It's as simple as searching Midwest Box Breaks. You'll see a lot, lot of videos on there. Um, I just created a coupon code for you guys. It's Vegas, V-E-G-A-S. If anybody enters that at checkout, it's 5% off everything in their cart. I've got uh, baseball and football on there. I've got some personal boxes I can sell. Uh, the big thing though is I want, number one, I want people to have fun. Uh, you can you can do the investing piece too, but also I want you to have fun. But if you're coming back in like I have and, and a lot of people we know our age, uh, check out my group, uh, Shoot me a DM. I'll send you the link, and we'll help you ease your way back in, uh, eliminate some of that learning curve, and, and some of the errors. And uh, that's really what we're about: is trying to get people that are back to the hobby after a long time away, or brand new to the hobby. I'm a big Gary V follower and supporter. I've actually met him at the national. Super great guy. Um, learned a lot from him too. And then uh, uh, Harb, I've got one box of elements left sitting here, calling your name. So. Talk. Yeah, actually,
1: I think I will take that off your hands, <laughs> being honest. And,
2: <laughs> and I'll tell you
1: why uh, here in a minute. But yeah, I'll let you I'll let you finish up.
2: Uh, but anyway, uh, use coupon code Vegas for 5%. And guys, um, I try to be as accessible as possible. So hit me up if you've got a question, if you want to join our group, if you want to try a cheap break. Uh, again, uh, I respect the investing piece, and we do have those guys too. But at the same time, I don't want to... Um, ignore the fact that, you know, we're really trying to help collectors and guys get back into the hobby too.
1: Yep. Yeah. I'll take over there. And so, you know, when I, and you'll find me in Ben's group, you'll find me in his discord. You'll see me interacting with them a lot on Twitter, uh, because I like being part of these breaks. It's part of how I'm, um, helping grow my personal connection, but also, uh, you know, turning this into a bit more of a business where I'm selling some cards that I've, uh, that I've acquired and I've acquired quite a few here, probably. Uh, Oh, well over 200 autographs. Now Um, quite a few rookies too. autographs from this year and the last year um, that just aren't cards that I'm personally collecting. So I'll be getting rid of them and uh, just trying to parlay this into more. That's not why I'm in the group though. And I, I don't think that's why anyone should be in Ben's group. I think that that group is for a lot of learning, a lot of fun, not just for selling. Um, but you know, it's led me to some ideas. And as Christian and I have talked about, I'm not going to be doing content like I've done the past few years. Um, Oh, quite similar. Won't be behind a paywall this year, but I am starting um, this own Twitch channel where I'll be going through kind of the week slate uh, for the NFL season. And I'm going to be using um, some stuff that Ben taught me or or got me into as kind of a launching pad. So not doing box breaks like Ben's uh, doing. So if you want to get into box breaks, buying teams, definitely go over to his channel. If you want to watch me open my own personal boxes that will go in either my own collection or um, cards that I'll end up selling. And talk about the uh, the DFS slates. Uh, just kind of talk about the uh, how I view the week games too. I'm going to be opening those boxes using the cards as a launching pad. Um, you know, hopefully getting some fun hits for my own collection or for anyone of uh, my viewers out there too. Um, but really, just talking about DFS and talking about the games in general and how I view them. So um, I'm hoping to have both of you guys on as guests multiple times during the season. I'm um, hoping to do a lot of fun things too. So uh, looking forward to to that and looking forward to the NFL season, really getting started too.
0: Well, I can't thank you guys enough for taking the time out to kind of talk about this new emerging market. Anything that I did not get to anything that I was, you know, too uh, ignorant enough to ask anything else that I did not hit on before we get out of here.
2: Uh, go Irish and go Notre Dame. Love How it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. What? Let's go Colts, too. Oh, we'll <laughs> go all Indiana here.
0: <laughs> I like it. Big Colts supporter. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much. Again, check them both out. Midwest Box Breaks on Twitter. Uh, Harvey, at once Harvey. Um, this will all be posted, of course, in the social, everything like that. But thank you guys so much. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Christian. Hey, What a great conversation. Again, special thanks out to those guys for taking the time out of their day. And if you're not investing in the trading card market, guys, as always, mybookie.ag bringing you the show. Enter the promo code SGP100. Do not forget they are having their first super contest. $100 entry fee. No proxies needed. $100,000 guaranteed to first place. No rake. Everything goes into the prize Cool. They have futures for the NFL players. Uh, first rookie to score a touchdown, first rookie to throw a touchdown, all of that and everything. Mybookie.ag again promo code SGP100. We're also brought to you by Play Balto. If you are sick for a uh, sick of paying for your office fees for your pools go to play balto go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com click the play balto link sign up they have everything from pick'em pools survivor pools you can go up against uh some pretty big names that are in there uh pat mcafee joe montana anything and everything play balto is your one-stop shop for office pools work pools you name it